Hey everyone, it's Pastor Micah, lead pastor here at High Praise Crestview. I want to say thank you for choosing to listen to today's podcast. I want to encourage you to subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening from today and go connect with us on social media as well. My prayer is that as you listen to this message, you're encouraged, blessed, and transformed by the power of the Word of God. Now open your heart and get ready to receive what God wants to speak to you today. Bibles this morning, 1 Samuel chapter 17, 1 Samuel, Samuel, 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 17, we have been in a series, uh, and we are concluding this series today called Defeating Giants, look at somebody say, I'm going to defeat my giant, we've been talking about this uh, topic and this idea of what giants are in our life, how to overcome them, and recognizing what they are. Uh, week one, we talked about recogn- recognition of your giants. You better recognize. You've got to actually properly recognize your giant before you can defeat your giant. It's one thing to know you have a giant. It's another thing to realize and recognize and put eyes to what that thing is in your life. Sometimes we think I'll give you a quick recap. Uh, Sometimes we think it might be anger, but really it might be rooted in envy, jealousy, unforgiveness. There may be... Are things that uh, that aren't being dealt with that so now we have symptoms but we haven't dealt with the root and so this series is really encouraging us to deal with some root issues some big problems that are going in going on in our life that are we're struggling to overcome and then last week we talked a little bit about what David's next approach was how he went about things how Saul misrecognized David and Goliath even misrecognized David and how how we can begin to position and align ourselves in the right placement to actually go forward and face our Goliath. And that leads us to where we are now. It culminates all to this moment in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verses 41 through 51 is where we're going to read. And uh, let's read this together, church. It says this, So the Philistine came and began drawing near to David, and the man who bore the shield went before him. Now this is where we dropped off last week. We picked up about here, verse 43, So I mean verse 42, And when the Philistine looked about and saw David he disdained him for he was only a youth ruddy and good-looking listen Goliath really had some insecurities okay I mean look at Goliath he's like man you are you're a nice-looking guy so I really disdain you and so it goes on in verse 43 so the Philistine said to David am I a dog that you come to me with sticks and the Philistine cursed David by his gods and uh, we, we don't have this in the text, but possibly there was some language that couldn't be used in the Holy Scripture whenever he was cursing David. And verse 44, And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day, I want to put emphasis on this, that he did say this day, which means this, this was a declaration that you can't mess with me any longer, Goliath, okay? And sometimes we just got to look at our Goliath and make that decision that we're going to declare that this day, this will take place. This day, this is going to happen. It may be a faith statement, meaning you don't see it yet, because really what David's doing here, he's create. it is a faith statement when he's saying this day. He didn't actually see that take place before he did it, but in, in, in faith, he did. So he says, This day the Lord deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will give the carcasses uh, of, the, of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, that all 
the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Verse 47. Then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's. Stop right there just for one second. Then the, the, all the assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and with spear. Can I tell you that this day and age that you live in, I want you to understand that the Lord does not save with sword and spear. In other words, God is not an angry God waiting for you to pray against somebody so he has the right to kill them now. Y'all got weak and quiet because y'all are like, man, I really wanted to pray that over my enemy that I've been facing. That, that guy at work, he's a real tool, and I'm ready to just pray some death over him, okay? Like, that is not okay. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. So that's really what David, he's kind of making the statement that, listen, God doesn't deliver with just sword and, and, and with just uh, uh, the spear. For the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. As the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. Verse 49, reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The, the stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. Face down in the dirt. So David triumphed over uh, the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. 51, David ran and stood over him. He took hold of the Philistine's sword, drew it from the sheath. After he killed him, he cut off his head with the sword. And when the Philistines saw their hero was dead, they turned and ran. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this word today. Thank you, Lord. There's overcoming power by your spirit in this room. But let the words of my mouth, Lord, be what you want said. Let it be sharp. Let it be powerful. Let it come forth in power and might by your Holy Spirit, God. I thank you, Lord, that this word doesn't return void, but it accomplishes everything that you set it out to do today. In Jesus' name, amen? Amen. What's interesting in verse 43, David begins to mock, I mean, Goliath begins to mock what David has. He says this, says, what am I that you come against me? Am I like a dog? You come against me with a stick. He's talking about how little David actually had on him at the moment. Because in Goliath's mind, as a warrior from youth, you've got to think every person that... Oh, there's something here. I didn't even write this down, but this is good. Every person that Goliath faced came out in, look, in, in appearance of that of a warrior as well. Hmm. Every person that Goliath faced came out with armor, ready to battle, with sword, ready to come against him and fight him. David comes looking totally different than the people that Goliath has faced in his, back, in his past. Some of you in your life, this is, this is kind of a side note, uh, doesn't necessarily exactly following with the fullness of today's message but some of us the reason that we're not able to overcome some issues and some things that we're facing in our life is was is because we keep coming against those things or against people the same way that we have in the past we match their energy think about it think about it whenever someone gets mad at your work well ooh, there i'm i'm angry too we're warring with one another someone your spouse starts you know you start getting frustrated with your spouse because her energy or his energy seems to be getting elevated at the moment and they're like that cartoon character that's like steaming and they're out the side of their ears and next thing you know there you are right there too and you're matching the energy together and you're fighting and you're battling against some things maybe you need to take a different approach to some things that you've been facing in your life when David shows up, he looks meek and mild. He doesn't look like he's coming. I'm ready to just fight this thing. He looks meek and mild. 
There's a humbleness in that. There's a humility that is found in that. Now, but Goliath begins to mock David because he's got a sling and a stone. In other words, Goliath sees the natural resources that David has and says, that's not enough to take me down. Come on. Come on. Let me just say, only God can take a sling and a stone and turn it into something powerful enough to bring down a giant. Only God can, can take an army that is thousands upon thousands and then say, hey, you need to go to the water and drink and then go, those people don't drink it right. I just want the 300 to go to battle. Gideon, hello. And so Gideon, only God can take 300 men and for some, or the, the thousand men, break them down to 300 with a limited resource and says, hey, still go into battle and you're still going to come out on top. Only God can take Jehoshaphat and his army and say, you know what? I can make a worship team, though it sounds like natural resources not being very much. I can take a worship team and I can make it sound like a mighty army and you will overcome and it'll bring confusion into the camp of the enemy. Only God can take dust of the earth and form a man that has all power and authority that can now walk in the authority of Christ that we walk in today. Only God can take limited resources and make it supernatural ability. And that's what God does here. Goliath begins to mock the limited resource that David has. But Goliath begins to mock that, but then God takes that limited resource and makes it supernaturally powerful. I, I really don't know if I believe, okay, that this is just a Pastor Micah gonna be real talk with you just for a moment. This is not like, like maybe just put a little note sideways right here that says this was just Pastor Micah rant just for a second. I'm not sure that David was actually that strong. I'm not saying he wasn't strong. He obviously defeated uh, uh, the lion. He defeated the bear. So obviously he had some strength. But I wonder often in those moments, did God give him supernatural, natural strength in those moments? I wonder, because I tell you what, I've been in some times where God has pushed me past my natural ability and given me supernatural abilities. He does it every Sunday. <laughs> I am not the greatest communicator. My wife will make sure to tell you that. I'm not always great at communicating with people. And maybe you're sitting there going, yeah, you're really not. <laughs> but I believe that every Sunday... I I am, y'all may not believe this, I am naturally extremely introverted. You take me to a birthday party, there's Micah on the couch in the corner like, what do I do here? Hi dog, I will pet you, you will be my friend today, <laughs> like, like a support dog, yeah, like. You take me to a situation like that, I'm awkward, I'm introverted, <laughs> but you put me in a place where I can just freely communicate by the power of the Holy Spirit, man, it's just like bubbles up within me and it just comes and it comes out and speaks and just talk to you and encourages you and uplifts you. But that's my natural resource is limited in this, 
The Holy Spirit resources are unlimited. And you need to realize that you have unlimited supernatural resources living within you. You have a wellspring of life that flows out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. So even in the midst of moments where you are looking at death's doorway and it's looking like darkness, there are rivers of living water flowing through. Even whenever you're going through a dry and desolate season, there is rivers of living water flowing from within you. And you just got to begin to speak through some supernatural ability, even whenever your natural ability is limited. That's in the, it's just like the enemy to try to mock what you have and mock the faith that you have. I really need a sip of water. I'm sorry. What does the Bible say about faith? For truly, I tell you, if you have faith, the size of what? A mustard seed. Anybody ever seen a mustard seed? It is tiny. <laughs> it is small. Like if I dropped it right now, it would immediately be lost. I would not be able to find it. It's not, it's not big faith. It's something small. Sometimes we just need a little bit of faith for God to move in and expand the strength in those moments. Because it says this, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you'll say to this mountain, move here to there. And it will move. And goes on to say, and nothing will be impossible for you. Nothing will be unconquerable for you. There is nothing in your life you cannot overcome when you have faith the size of a mustard seed. And oftentimes what the enemy wants to do is when you are holding on, y'all ever been like at the end of your rope, you know what I'm talking about? We're like, this is my last ditch effort. This is the last time I'm gonna believe for this. And what the enemy tries to do in those moments when only you've got this much faith left for where you're going, what God wants to do. When you have this much faith left, the enemy's like, ha, you ain't got no faith. This is the end. It's all done. It's all over. What are you that you come against me and you mock me by bringing that just a little bit of faith? Don't you know how strong, bold, and big, and powerful I am? Is what the enemy tries to speak. But what God's word says is whenever you have faith the size of a mustard seed, nothing will be impossible for you. Nothing will be unconquerable for you. So just be refreshed in this moment today that whenever you, even if you have a little bit of faith, there's still room for a miracle. Even whenever you have a little bit of faith, there's still room for overcoming power. Even when you have a little bit of faith, there's still room for God to move in and do what only he can do. Amen? Amen. That's the kind of faith that'll move mountains, take down Goliath, and pushes you into your destiny. It may, your small faith may look like this. How it looked like with me when I gave my testimony of overcoming fear. It may look like we're staying here tonight. Can I tell you that I can remember vaguely the thoughts that went through my head whenever Pastor Chelsea was like, hey, we're not leaving again tonight. We're staying here. One was, get out of my way, woman. I'm leaving. <laughs> but then behind that was like, there's no way this is going to work. Like, there is no way me just going and laying in my bed and sleeping in my bed because for those of you who maybe weren't here week one, I gave a testimony of myself of going through battling with fear. And I had sleepless nights for about nine months. Couldn't even sleep in my own bed at my own house because of a traumatic situation that took place. And from there, fear gripped me hard. And 
Pastor Chelsea eventually says, you're asleep. We are staying here. We are not leaving another night. It, to me, it seemed like the smallest, silliest thing. Like, yeah, you really, you really believe, babe. You really believe us sleeping here tonight. Something's going to change. Yeah, okay. The enemy began to mock the weapon that I was bringing at him, which was just sleep. It was just rest. It was just laying in a bed. But man, that night was a night of overcoming victory and power. I'm just refreshing you and reminding you right now that the small things matter. The small things that you'd bring against your enemy, they matter. Even when you bring the smallest weapon, God can make it supernaturally powerful. I want to give you real quickly, I went really long in this introduction. I want to give you real quickly five keys to overcoming your giant today. And I'm going to look at it, we're going to go through the scripture, I'm going to show you what David did. Verse 47, whenever he says, this battle isn't mine, it belongs to the Lord. He's going to show us that he doesn't deliver through sword and through spear and through javelin. But, he, but this day, the battle belongs to the Lord. This is what he does in verse 47. This is not him saying, I said this last week, this is not him saying, hey God, you do everything for me. Okay, What this is, is David is dedicating the battle to the Lord. The first thing that you need to do is whenever you're facing your giant, is dedicate your battle to the Lord. That is the first thing that you need to do. In other words, you say, this is not mine to overcome. It is yours to overcome through me. I am just here to go out to the battlefield, and I'm giving this to you. Because it doesn't mean that you get to sit on your blessed assurance and do nothing, and all of a sudden, whoo, there it is, breakthrough. It happened all of a sudden. That's why this morning I want to be extra intentional in a moment to really just say, what I'm facing right now, I give it to you, Jesus. Jesus, I speak your name over the situation. I don't just wait for Jesus to show up and do something i begin to actively proclaim in faith that i will overcome by the power of jesus so listen it doesn't mean you don't fight but it does mean this you first submit your battle to the lord what does james 4 7 say about that it says submit yourself to god then resist the devil and he will flee from you is what james 4 7 talks about so the prerequisite to the enemy running in terror is what first submission so there's got to be a submission of your battle to the Lord before the Lord shows up and begins to make your enemy run in terror. And when you give things to God first, then it's after that you begin to put action to your words and begin to resist the enemy. You speak to the enemy, you fight against him, and he has to flee. Write this down. The Lord is a warrior, but so are you use your weapons. And you want to personalize that this morning. The Lord is a warrior, but so am I. I'm also a warrior, so I need to use my weapons. Y'all hear me say this often here at High Praise. The, the Lord did not give you, he did not give you the armor of God to look at as a pretty display in your home, like you would in your home, okay? The, the Lord, the reason he gives you the armor of God is because he realizes you need to wear it. Because there are there's tactics and schemes and plans of the enemy that he puts in play that we need to be properly protected against. How do we do that? Through the armor of God. Whenever we are wearing our breastplate of righteousness, we realize that we are in right standing with God, which means I have boldness. We talked about this last week. That means I am as bold as a lion because I have a breastplate of righteousness. I have something covering my heart. I have something covering my chest. The enemy can't take me. Oh, I have the helmet of salvation. I have that reminder that I have the mind of Christ 
and that I can overcome. Oh, I'm wearing the shoes of peace. That means that I know the word of God and I can walk in his peace and the God of peace will soon crush Satan underneath his feet. That means this, peace is not passive. Peace is very powerful. So whenever you are walking in the peace of God, it means that things can be going around, uh, going on around you and the world could be going, understand why I say this, hell in a handbasket. But whenever you are walking in the shoes of peace, that means that you have a peace that surpasses all understanding and there's no calamity, there's no issue that could really t- take turn you and put you into a tizzy, but you can actually walk in the confidence of the peace of God that no matter what comes my way, I will see victory and I will overcome. That is peace. I got the sword of the Spirit. I got the Word of God that's alive and sharper than any two-edged sword is what the Word of God says. In other words, it says this, it is not boring, but actually it is very alive and it can still do things and it's still for today and it's not just certain portions of it that are for today. The whole totality of Scripture is still for today and it's still for your use. It's still for your, your correction. It's still for your power, but it is the sword of the Spirit and you need to use your weapons. And we dedicate our battle to the Lord. Number two, verse 47. David ran quickly toward the battle line, is what, we said, what it says. Let's just be honest. <laughs> All right, church. I venture to say at least 50% of us are not looking at our giants going, I'm taking you down. <laughs> We're going, oh no! <laughs> like, like, that's us. We are the ones running. Oh no, it's going to get me. It's going to take me down. We are not much the ones saying, all right, oh, oh you're going to move towards me. Let's go. Okay, I'm going to take you down today. That's not us. We're the ones like, oh no, we're about to be decapitated. <laughs> like, my day is done. Like, but, but David has a different perspective. It says that David ran quickly to meet the giant as the giant's moving forward towards him so think about this not only is Goliath out there taunting and yelling and screaming about great he is then he starts taking steps towards David like okay it's a walk in the park and it says David quickly advanced quickly moved towards the battle line what gave David the huspa the oof <laughs> to move towards the battle line I believe it's because David had a different perspective. He didn't have the perspective of eye level because David wasn't eye level. He was like this, okay? He had heaven's perspective. He could already see it done. Heaven's perspective is a bird's eye view. It is high above what you are facing and it already sees around the giant. It already sees the victory. It already sees the mountain moved. It already sees what's in, what's in store for your future. And it sees it as already taken down. Heaven's perspective is a prophetic perspective. What is prophecy? The Bible says the testimony of Jesus is what? The spirit of prophecy. It talks about this. What is the testimony of Jesus? Well, the testimony of Jesus is... A testimony of overcoming, conquering power. You think about it. Jesus died. Dead, dead. One, two, three. Rose victorious. Went, in those three days, went 
and took the keys, beat up the devil, made a public spectacle of him, is what the scripture says. Victory, overcoming power. Takes the keys to death, hell, and the grave, shows back up on the scene and says, I ain't dead no more, I'm alive. Like, he shows up in victory. <laughs> like, he shows up as a great victor. So, heaven's perspective, if it is the te- as the testimony of Jesus, a prophetic perspective, it is the testimony of you coming out on the other side with the high hand and with the victory. That is a prophetic perspective. In order to really have that perspective, we have to realize that the things that we are facing, though they may seem big, they really aren't. But the enemy always wants to try to convince you that it is much bigger what it is. I actually brought something today. I'm going to grab this real quick. So as we're talking about heaven's perspective, I meant to have this on the stage, but I've talked a lot about Thanos in this, and I brought a Thanos for perspective, okay? Perspective, we see often we're facing our Goliath. We are looking up to it. Heaven's perspective flips the script, and heaven's perspective says, what's up, Goliath? You can't beat me. You're, you're not unconquerable. I will overcome you. No, you can't snap your fingers and defeat me. No, you cannot take your spear and your javelin or your sword and overcome me. Oh, you're advancing? I am too. I will advance. I will overcome. I will defeat you. I will win. You are nothing. I will crush you like a bug. And I will overcome. There's, there's got to be a perspective switch. And that's got to be your perspective. Stop looking at your Goliath like this. Because this is what Goliath does. We talked about this in week one. I know some of y'all can't see me, but it's okay. That's kind of the point here. In week one, we talked about the fact that Goliath tries to de- defeat you before the battle even begins. This is often our perspective. When Goliath is yelling and screaming and telling us how big and bad he is, we're already defeated on the ground, done. But heaven's perspective is a perspective far above what you see. It is a perspective of victory. It is a perspective of looking down on your enemy, not letting your enemy looking down, look down on you. So you need to realize that you've got to take on heaven's perspective it was a realization that my power doesn't come from me it comes from the lord but this is us okay we come to church get all gassed up yeah we get gassed up oh yeah pastor micah encouraged me by kicking that thanos (laughs) so this week you know i'm gonna do i'm gonna kick my giant and then tell him you know why <laughs> I'm going to go run back to the battlefield and we're like yeah all right, I'm leaving church I'm going oh no 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 not today we're back at the run again that's how we are let me encourage you don't run back to the battlefield scared this week run back with courage faith and determination that no matter what I face I will endure because I will overcome in the end. Keep that in the forefront of your mind that no matter what I face, I will win. 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 Keep that at the forefront of your mind this week. Next 
thing I want to talk about real quickly is this. Verse 49. Whenever he goes down, runs to the battle line, gets it ready, what's he throw at Goliath? A stone. This reminds me of a funny thing we did in Faith Force years ago. We actually did it here. Maybe I should have rewrote this. There's this great scene that we wrote, and uh, the villain is Candy Compromise. Now, for those of you who don't know, we did kids' ministry for many years. We did this thing called Faith Force where we had superheroes of faith and villains and all this. A Candy Compromise, and she has these compromised candies that lead to uh, 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 being the spirit of compromise that she gives to the Faith Force. And, uh, and, but, but on the last night, before the battle ensues, Candy takes the candies and just chunks them at, at the faith force like like here this will defeat you and, and I was thinking about that because it's funny because we see this and that's kind of what I, I had this thought of that this is how my mind works I just let you let it window into my mind for a moment I just like imagine David being like and like hitting Goliath and bouncing off Goliath and be like no but that's not the way it worked it only took one stone to take down Goliath notice it doesn't say oh missed Ah, missed again. Oh, he's stunned. Another one. Oh, I hit his left chest. Another one. Like, one. Boom. Down. Okay? What am I saying? Be encouraged with this. Realize that you are one moment away from breakthrough. Realize that you are only one moment away from victory and from breakthrough. You may be one prayer away. Anybody ever seen that thing? Uh, it's like, it's, I've seen it on social media before where it's the guy, and he's like in the, he's in the mine, and he's got the pickaxe, and he's breaking, he's, he's like breaking forward, and there's like, he's almost on the other side, and then it, the top one has him like doing it, and then it shows in the bottom picture where he's walking away, but he was this close. That's often us. We've been praying, we've been believing God, set them free. We believe in God. Lord, set me free. But let me just encourage you one more time. Pick the mantle of prayer up again. War for that thing again. Don't give up believing. Journey said it best. Don't stop believing. Listen, don't stop believing for your breakthrough. Don't stop believing for what God wants to do in your life. I'll give you a quick testimony that we heard this past week. On Wednesday night, we were at High Praise Panama City. I had the opportunity to minister there, and Pastor Chelsea led worship, and I got to play drums, and um, we, we, we did ministry there. And they get this uh, man in their church, somebody who's been at High Praise Panama City for a long, 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 I mean 20-plus years probably, Willie and his family have. Willie got up, is his name, and his daughter moved away uh, to go to college years ago. And I think it was about six years ago she moved away to go to college. Six, five or six. While she was there, just kind of dropped her relationship with the Lord some, if you will. And from that, there was stress on their personal family relationship. And Willie and his daughter had not talked in three years three years so the Wednesday night prior Pastor Robert does this sometime in high praise and he'll say hey I want you to find somebody around you a prayer partner I want you to tell each other 
something that you need prayer for, and then pray for one another right there. So they, they did that. This other man in the church said, okay, let's pray. We're going to pray for this. So he laid his hands on him. He prayed with him. Willie went back to his seat after that. When Willie sat down, he picked up his phone, and his phone was a text from his daughter he hadn't talked to in three years. Well, did you pray about it? Yeah, Willie prayed about it. <laughs> we talked about that in week one of people ask the dumb question, well, did you pray about it? Yeah, I prayed about it, and I prayed about it, and I prayed about it, and prayed about it, prayed about it, prayed about it, prayed about it, prayed, 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 prayed. I'm all prayed out right now, okay? Willie and their family had prayed and believed God, but they were one moment away from breakthrough. They, so Willie gets that text, and now they're going to be setting up. She's coming down to, or up, up to Panama City to stay for a few weeks with them to reconnect and restore that relationship. Praise God that, that they did not give up believing and having faith and filled with hope that God could do it. Let me encourage you, if you are facing that right now and you just want to throw in the towel, don't. Dad has always said it like this. Throwing in the towel will only give you the memory of unrewarded labor. Throwing in the towel will only give you the memory of unrewarded labor. I'm telling you, don't give up. Don't throw in the towel. You will keep, you will win. Just keep slinging. Just keep slinging at your Goliath. Overcome him, defeat him, and take him down. We got two more points. Y'all stay with me. Verse 51, David delivered the finishing blow to Goliath now. So he, Goliath, okay? But then David says, I want to make sure that we really end this reign of terror. Don't let fear paralyze you in the middle of your battle, but to take some words from an old video game. Finish him. <laughs> Kick him while he's down. Fatality. Yeah, like Mortal Kombat. Finish him. That's what David did. He pulled out the sling. So, poof, down. And he said, nah, no, I'm not done. And, and he goes and gets Goliath's sword. And he cuts the head off of his giant, off Goliath. He made sure that that Goliath was not coming back. You know, one of the first times I ever preached on David and Goliath, it was a Sunday night in High Praise, Panama City. My dad was out of town. I had to do the morning and the evening services. <laughs> and I had uh, bronchitis. It was beautiful. <laughs> I sounded like this as I was preaching. You know, like... <laughs> I, I preached that morning, both services, went home that afternoon. That afternoon, I had three snakes come up to my back door. I'm sorry if you're a snake lover in this room. I killed all of them. Okay? But after I was done killing them, I cut their heads off too. You want to know why? Because I wanted to make sure those things were dead dead. Can I tell you that you need, to some, you need to go back to your Goliath and make sure that thing is dead dead. You need to cut its head off. You can do it. Cut its ugly head off. You might know what movie that's from. Boy. <laughs> you can cut the head off of your Goliath. You need to cut the head off your giant. I am giving you permission to deliver the finishing blow to your Goliath. Kill it and then cut its head off. Kill
kick it while it's down. Don't let it have another chance. Don't let it have another opportunity to speak. Don't let it have another opportunity in your life. Deliver the finishing blow. Meaning this, after you've already knocked it down, remind it of the authority you have and that fear is a defeated foe. That the marriage issue is a defeated foe. That the sexual perversion is a defeated foe. That the lying problem is a defeated foe. That your greed issue is a defeated foe. Tell it, speak to it, and remind it that it has lost and has no more power in your life. Amen? In verse 51, end with this. It's the last thought today. In verse 51, it says that once Goliath's head had been chopped off, it says that the rest of the enemy ran. Can say this, slay your giant and send the enemy running. Can I tell you, when you kill your fear, your sleepless nights run in terror. You know when I talked about the symptoms of the giant? Think about this. I guarantee you, okay, I guarantee you, that as Goliath is standing, okay, as Goliath is standing out there mocking and saying all this stuff about how big he is, how powerful he is, how he's going to overcome, he'll defeat them all, blah, blah, blah. I guarantee you the rest of the army that is behind Goliath is like, you know, they're, they're his hype men. I can about guarantee you, they're like, yeah, we got this. They're saying things. They're speaking as well. It may, it, it may not be documented, okay? But I'm saying, from knowing how we are as people, when you're on a winning team, you talk a lot. Colorado. <laughs> not anymore. When you're winning... And everybody's talking you up. You end up talking a lot too. So I want you to view this just for a moment. Goliath, we talked about that being your main issue, your main problem. Recognize the rest of the camp that was with Goliath as the symptoms of the problem. Because that's all they were. They were just symptoms of Goliath. Because by themselves, they couldn't overcome them. That's why they ran. So everything else, your... your your uh, a fear issue. Well, the sleepless nights that have been mocking you, the insomnia that's been mocking you, it runs whenever you defeat fear. Okay? Your, uh, your uh, relationship issues that are going on, the confusion and poor communication and different things that are going on when you slay that improper relationship that you have outside your marriage the work wife work husband the people that you've let in too close and you speak to them about stuff that you don't need to be you have no business speaking to them about when you slay that thing the other issues begin to run in terror that's why it's important to defeat your giant, because when you defeat your giant, you send the enemy running. When you destroy ingratitude, the greed and envy that you once had begins to flee. Whenever you realize that you need to be grateful and you can't just be an ungrateful brat any longer, like that's whenever you realize that the greed and envy has to flee. When you crush doubt, fear begins to leave. When you kill the giant, the other nagging enemies begin to run. Ms. Donald, will you come play? Think about for a second, these enemies with Goliath are just nagging and taunting because they have this giant. But as soon as the giant falls, what do they do? They flee. They run. 
Can I tell you that whenever you take down your giant, the lies that have felt like they've been nagging in your ears, they run. They are silenced. They have to be quiet because the one thing that they were holding on to as their big victory is no longer present in your life. When you can get rid of the one thing, you can get rid of a lot of things. When you get rid of the one big thing that the enemy's been plugging and lying to you about, you can get rid of a whole host of other things. I want to encourage you in this. Sometimes it's very, I'm going to be honest with you, it's very difficult to preach on things like this. Because as pastors, we want to encourage you. Okay? And I believe that this has been an encouraging message and an encouraging series for you. I hope it has been. But what I want you to, I want to put on the backside of this is a disclaimer. This is all encouragement and definitely things to practice. But I'm not saying tomorrow, whenever you go to face that thing, it's just going to be done. I'm not going to give you magic potion power, okay? And be like, yeah, this is definitely this one, two, three. And if you don't do this, well, you lack faith. You're just, uh, you know, you, you just, you need to get your relationship. You're probably just not righteous enough. You're probably, you probably don't have a good enough relationship with Jesus. That's why you're struggling with that. You know what? I know people that have powerful, like intimate relationships with Jesus, but there's still things that sometimes plague them. Hello, Paul. Like, you can look through numerous people of the Bible. Hello, David. Man after God's own heart. He's got a lust issue. He murders some, someone. Like, he wasn't always perfect. I just want to give you that because I never want you to feel like, well, I did what Pastor Micah said. I just must not have faith enough. I must not have a good enough relationship with Jesus. I want this word to be such an encouragement to you that whenever you notice that that thing still doesn't come down, you say, but you know what? I'm still going to keep battling. I'm still going to keep fighting. It's not, it's not because I haven't done enough. There's nothing I can do to earn the reward of heaven or the favor of heaven. God loves you and favors you because you call on him. But I do want to encourage you that there is nothing. I don't know how long it'll take. I can't give you a timetable. I wish I could. But I couldn't tell you exactly. But I can tell you that his word is sure and forever settled in heaven. And there's nothing that is unconquerable by the power of God that works within you. Now to him who will do exceedingly, abundantly, above anything we dare ask, think, or imagine, according to the power that works within us. That's what the scripture says. I'm telling you, you look at your Goliath this week, though, and don't let him push you around. Don't let it alter your life any longer. Don't let it change the way that you live any longer. You live with boldness, you live with courage, and you live knowing that you will overcome. Will you stand to your feet this morning? Lift your hands to the Lord. Father, I thank you right now. Thank you for this word. Thank you for this series. I thank you that it's been encouragement to our soul, to our spirit, Father. I thank you, Lord, for giving us faith once again to overcome, to go into the battlefield and look at our Goliath and tell it it's got to come down. Lord, we just thank you right now for the reminder of the victory and triumph that we have in you. Lord, we come against every lie of the enemy 
enemy, every scheme and plan has to fail and come to naught now in Jesus' name. We break the power of witchcraft. We break the power of the spirits of division. We break the power of, of sleepless nights and fear and doubt and unbelief. Lord, we break, the, we break the spirit of divorce and separation right now in the name of Jesus that tried to come against marriages. Lord, we break the spirit of envy and jealousy now in Jesus' name. We break every spirit of ingratitude right now by the power of Jesus. We break its power and we thank you, God, that victory is arising. Lord, we think that we can look at our giant and say, this day you will come down and we will see victory. Lord, we won't stop slinging the stone. We won't stop wielding the sword. But Lord, we will go forth and we will fight until we see victory. We will fight until we see the victory that's already been accomplished for you said it is finished. So right now we speak over our problems. We speak over our giants. Today you are finished by faith in Jesus' name. Will you give God a big shout amen this morning? Hallelujah!